Hallelujah. All right, let's begin this morning. Thank you, Lisa and the worship team for leading us into worship. Love it. All right. You might want to turn me down. I feel the anointing coming on. It is good to see you. And as we're in now the month of February, one more week, we're going to get into March. I hope you're ready. I hope you're in action. We've been talking about the blessing on our life. Uh, I heard a story about a a pastor that was preaching pretty hot, you know, and he was getting it going, and and he just charged the congregation. He says, everybody that wants to go to heaven, I want you to stand up. And everybody in the place stood up except one older man on the front row. And he said, I said again, if everybody, everybody that wants to go to heaven, stand up. And Mr. Jones, the older man on the front row, did not stand up. And the pastor thought, uh-oh, he must not hear me. And he looked at him and he said, Mr. Jones, I just said everybody in the place that wants to go to heaven, stand up. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I want to go to heaven. I just thought you were getting a group to go right now. (laughs) You know, uh, a lot of times we we have a, a desire, of course, to go to heaven, to be with God forever and ever. But a lot of times the thought is the prayer of the Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to realize that God has a life for you and I right here, that we don't go into, you know, kind of a pause or neutral mode while we wait to get to heaven. I think for so many years in the church, we we just sang songs of how good it would be to get to heaven, and, and it will be. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is kind of a mindset that if we're just expecting, you know, heaven to be great, that we miss what God wants us to do here on this earth right now. Uh, it's kind of a, a passing over of our responsibility as believers. And sometimes we get all this great burden, but we kind of gather it up and we kind of put it back here and we go, somebody needs to take care of that. When we talk about the blessing, realize that the blessing is on your life. It's working through your life. And around you, the blessing should be noticeable. Wherever you go, you make it a better place because of who lives and resides in you, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. You know the story in the book of uh, Exodus where, where Moses says, God says, I'll send an angel with you. And he goes, God, he says, if you don't go, I don't want to go. He realized how important the presence of God was in the whole journey. You and I, when we get to the point where we realize how important the Holy Spirit is in us and working through us, this is what we're talking about through this series. The blessing is on us because we have the mind of Christ. As Second Corinthians chapter 2 says, that we have the mind of Christ, that we know that where we go, that God gives us the answer. Now, now watch. I'm going to say something that I'll, I'll kind of bring out later, Pastor. Do you do you think I could do that? 
I don't even know hardly any verses by memory. Every time that God shows a person in the Scriptures to do something, they always, not always, but most of the time, they always took a first step back and go, Who, me? And an overarching response from God, the creator of the universe, is this. The reason you can do what I'm asking you to do is because I'm going to be with you. Wow. It kind of eliminates the excuses, doesn't it? This morning, I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 45, and the reason is I want to go back to the story one more time of the blessing that is on the family of God. We've talked about Abraham and how the God of the universe shows up and says, I'm going to bless you. And in blessing you, Abraham, you're going to be blessed. Therefore, you're going to bless the world. Through you is going to come the blessing. You can see God's promises, and then you see them fulfilled. It goes to his son Isaac. The guy is reaping a hundredfold in a time of famine. That, that's a blessing if you didn't know that. He became extremely, it says, wealthy. Then after Isaac becomes Jacob. Jacob is the one that we talked about a few weeks ago. He has 12 sons, and through those 12 sons will be the 12 tribes of Israel. Out of those 12 tribes, one of them, one of the sons, I should say, is Joseph. Now, he's not a tribe because his sons will become Ephraim and Manasseh. They will be the tribes. But my point is this, that Joseph, we've talked about, is blessed, and the world was blessed because of Joseph. Let me explain real quickly. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers because of jealousy. He goes into slavery. He becomes the chief of a, uh, his master's house. And he stays in the lane that God has placed him for this time. Even though it's not a place that he would decide on his own to be there, he finds himself in slavery and he makes the place of slavery the best possible. He, he rises to the place of power underneath his master, which is called Potiphar. And he, he it says in the Bible that Everything that Potiphar had is a responsibility. He didn't even concern himself because of the trustworthiness of this guy, Joseph. But his wife lies about him. And, and the point I wanted to make in those weeks is he is continually put in a spot that he did not choose. Some people can walk in the blessing as long as they're in a place that they choose. But Joseph stays in the lane. He goes to prison over it. And in prison, again, the blessing is working on him. This is so obvious. He becomes the chief prisoner. You say, that's nothing, a chief prisoner. If you're in prison, it's a big thing. He stays in the lane. Wherever he is, he is seeing and showing the blessing of God on his life. It's obvious to non-believers. Then we said last week how he rises to power because the day comes while he's in prison that he interprets a dream of the king, Pharaoh. Pharaoh brings him in and he interprets the dream that there's going to be seven bad years of famine. The economy is going to go in the, the pit. But after, I'm sorry, seven years of good, but following the seven years of good will be seven bad years that will really eat up all the good years. 
do you understand how much the blessing was on his life to be able to foretell that dream? All the people in Egypt, all the wise guys could not interpret the dream. But he could. He was a prisoner. Nothing good can come out of a prison, but as long as he believes and he stays in his lane and he, listen to this, this will become so important for your life, and especially I'll bring it out in weeks to come. He believes in the lordship of God for his life. He believes in the word of God for his life. No matter the circumstances, no matter what man's behavior is, he's still going to stay believing in the Word of God. Now, I don't know where you're at, and I could throw out a lot of illustrations to try to hit the majority of people here today, but what my point is, is wherever you are, good, bad, and ugly, God is with you. And the blessing is on your life to make wherever you are even better. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want you to see in Genesis chapter 45, as we kind of leave Joseph, but I want to show you some things that are just too great for me to pass over in this series. In verse 16, listen to this. Now, let me set it up. This is nine years after Joseph has been part of Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh has made him really the prime minister, only second to himself as the king. He even The Pharaoh even says, nobody's going to lift a foot in all of Egypt without your word. That's pretty powerful. Wherever he went, people got out of the way because they respected him. He was that kind of guy. Remember, a slave and then a prisoner becomes this status because the blessings on his life. Nine years... The seven years of good is gone, and now two years of the famine is taking place. The family of Joseph that put him into prison or into slavery comes to buy grain because there's no food in the whole world, at this known world at this time. They come, and eventually through the story that you've already read, I know in Genesis that I've encouraged you to read. Amen. Here we are in verse or chapter 45. Joseph has identified himself as his as their brother. They have been scared to death, but he says the purpose was that God has blessed me to be a blessing to you, to save you and our family. But I want you to see as we've talked about it, and we want to talk, I want to talk more about the blessing of to the to the family of the believers of God, that's Joseph, that's Jacob, his father, that's all his, uh, the ladies, the men in the family, and the brothers and the sister, all of them. The blessing. Watch this. But outside of the family, now he's going to bless the known world. That's right, I said the known world. Because all this area is suffering from starvation, and the only place they could go is... Egypt. When word gets back that Joseph is now reunited with his brothers, listen to the blessing. In verse 16, when the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brother had come, brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. And all his officials were pleased. I've read that story several times because I love the story of Joseph. It's an inspiration to me. 
But this morning, when I read that, I underlined it. For nine years, this young man has been in charge of Egypt. How many knows that if you have people in your life, nine years is a long time not to upset them or do something that doesn't please them. But when I read that this morning, it jumped out of the page to me that for nine years, this man has the blessing working in and through him, and he's practiced the blessing when he was in slavery. He's practiced it when he was in prison, when those are not good circumstances. So when he does get promoted to the palace, that he's walking in a way that here are non-believers, even a different nationality that really look down on the nationality of Israel or the Israelites or the people of God because of who they were. They were shepherds, you know, those little guys were Egyptians. But just the knowledge of Joseph's family being reunited with him and it brought pleasure to Joseph, it says that Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Now, I, I, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. That the blessing was so on Joseph's life that blessed the Egyptians that it was now pleasing to them to be able to look for a way to bless Joseph. So the following verses explain how good that Joseph has really been able to bless Pharaoh in Egypt by saying these things. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Oh, now it's my turn to bless you. This is what he's going to say. He says, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan. And bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt. And you can enjoy the fat of the land. In other words, the good things of this land. You are also directed. Now this is the king talking. So he's kind of like, and you are also directed. To tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt. Now, see, we think of the wooden carts. You might think of a covered wagon. But in their day, this is like for us telling us, you go get some semi-trailers. And go down and get your children and your wives and get your father and come. Never mind all your belongings. Now, all that stuff that you got that you know that you think is a value. That if somebody, you know, said, I, that's mine, you'd fight him for it. Forget all of that stuff that you have right now. Why? He says this, because the best of Egypt will be yours. So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded. And he also gave them provisions for their journey to each of them. He gave them new clothes, but to his younger brother, Benjamin, listen, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father. Ten donkeys loaded down with the best things of Egypt and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. 
Now, do you see the ripple effect of the blessing working through Joseph's life that has blessed Pharaoh? Then in return, Pharaoh says, Oh, I get an opportunity to bless you. Have you ever been in that spot before? Let me tell you. Let me ask you, because if you've never been in the spot where somebody has blessed you, you're missing it. And probably you're missing it because you have never blessed somebody. And when you bless somebody and you love blessing people, let me tell you, they look and long and expect for God to show up because they're going to bless you. And that's where you go. You want to do that for me? Oh, you've been so good. And at the moment, you know that it's not you. It's God that's working in and through you, the blessing that's on your life. I just heard a story, and I was reading a book, and it was so amazing that this, this man was taught, uh, asked to come to lunch uh, with him. Uh, two men got together for lunch, and, and it was his friend. And he said to the man, he goes, I want you to come along with me. He's a very wealthy man. This guy had helped in a lot of companies. And he said, I want you to come with me and start a new company. And I want to make you the president of the company. And the guy humbly said, you know, I I would love to, but what you're talking about is a huge investment to invest into the company, even to get 25% of the company. He goes, I I want to give you 50%. I I don't have 50% to give. A buy-in. And he said, no, no, no. You've been so good to me. I want to give this to you. And all his life, he had been helping people in their companies, and the blessing of God fell on him at one lunch and changed his trajectory in life. It's the ripple effect. Hours before Joseph was in prison, and now... Nine years later, he looks back on the blessing of God working in and through his life. But during those times, Pharaoh, at this moment, when he hears the good news of it, thinks back nine years and how God has blessed Egypt. Even though he's not even sure who this God is, he's a believer in Joseph. Therefore, he even is opened up to hear about how good his God is because it's real. He can can see the provisions that God has provided. For his brothers, it'll be exaggerated. Because before they come to to Egypt, they're thinking that possibly they could be killed because of the whole story. They realize that they've done Joseph wrong, but because of the realization and the revelation of the blessing on and in Joseph's life, he can communicate this was God's will. Therefore, what they thought could be death now is given life. And not just life, but life in abundance to the overflow. And they're going to receive and experience the best of Egypt. The Bible says that Pharaoh said, I'm going to give them Goshen. If you read the story, roughly 66 people are part of the family of Jacob. If you include Joseph's family of four... He's married and he has two sons at this time. It'll be 70 people. Now remember that because it's important. 70 people. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, give them Goshen. Goshen is very, the fat. It's the good part of Egypt. 
And he says, if any of them have skills, even put them over my livestock. So as they're coming, watch this. This is how ironic life is. If you look back, there's a brother named Judah. You know Judah. And Judah says to his brothers, let's don't kill him as he's in the pit. Let's sell him into slavery. Because they're all jealous of the dream that he has. The dream is that he's going to rule and reign over them one day. Now he's the second, as we know, in power in all of Egypt. He is going to provide for them. And as Jacob, his sons, wives, everybody is coming up from Canaan into Egypt, how do they find Goshen? And there's a brother that is picked to go ask directions to Goshen, and it's Judah. The guy that said, let's sell him. Now, because he didn't believe, I believe that he is the one that sees with his own eyes the goodness of God. And they go, go down there, turn at the twig, go left of the river, go right of the man you know, with his camel left, whatever it is, directions. Can you imagine this is a guy of unbelief now getting directions to the best part of Egypt. I, I could do a lot of conjecture, but I wonder the day that they pull up and they say, this is yours. This is going to be yours. They're coming at this point from a town or a place that's in famine to a place that has more than enough provision to take care of them. There is 66 people, and Joseph and his family, of course, is back at the capital. I want you to see this. Wherever the blessing goes, it creates, just like what we talked about in the first sermon, just like the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis 1, 26, then God said in Genesis 1, let us make mankind in our own image in the likeness so that they will rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, and created them. God blessed them and said to them, here we go, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky of the, on every living creature that moves on the ground. And the blessing that was put on them to be able to do that is now you can see very obvious through Joseph's life. But the day comes that they've lived in Goshen for time and the older father, Jacob, has died. Now, I want you to see this because this is just an interesting fact that, I, again, I, I'm amazed when it, it comes, comes alive out of the paper. But the blessing of God is through Jacob's life that he can see what God has done in his life quickly. When you reflect on him as a young man and he's working for his father-in-law, Laban, and he worked seven years for a wife and seven more years for another wife. If you remember that old story, if you don't, read Genesis and the blessing is so on him that his father-in-law, the day that Jacob says, I'm going to leave, he says, please don't leave because the blessing is on you so much, it's blessing me. Now Jacob has gone to Egypt and he's in the land of Goshen and he's at his last days and he dies. Is it interesting that it says this, that when he dies and he is going to be taken back to Israel, which is Canaan at this time. It says all Pharaoh's officials 
accompanied him. The dignitaries of the court and all the dignitaries of Egypt, chariots and horsemen also went up with him. It was a very large company. That's more than history. That's a snapshot of the blessing that is on the family of God. Why would the Egyptian dignitaries and the officials in the court of the king accompany Joseph to go down and bury his father? Because the blessing is on him so much that they say, Oh no, we have an opportunity to bless you, Joseph. The blessing of God has been on your life so so amazing, and we have been blessed. We're going down with you. Now, let me say this. Some of you don't realize that the seven years that was great in the economy was soaring. I mean, it was cooking. They were planning stuff, and it was coming up. But Joseph, because of his management skills and stewardship, was collecting that for seven years. They were building supply houses and stuff to hold that. Now, seven bad years have come. During this time, all of Egypt comes to Joseph to buy grain. First of all, they give Joseph all the silver and gold that they have to buy. When the silver and gold runs out, he, they bring their livestock and say, we need it, but we better have food before we have a, a livestock, our, our cows or our donkeys or whatever. So they begin to sell them to Joseph, which is selling them to the Pharaoh. Everybody with me? When the livestock has run out, all the gold and silver has run out, what's the only thing left? The land that they own, the people. They come and they say, we will give all of our land, therefore we will sell ourselves to you. It's better that we sell ourselves to the king of our land than we die of starvation in our children. So Joseph says, well, it just so happens that we have more grain so that you can buy that with your land. The only thing is that Joseph says, we will not take you, but you will give 20% as a tax back to Pharaoh. So the whole land of Egypt from that time on was because of Joseph. And now Pharaoh, do you see how blessed he is? Hello, you guys okay out there? Do you, do you think that when Jacob dies, Joseph's father, they don't go, oh, <laughs> no, we're going. We're going to go show our respects. In Genesis chapter 50, Joseph is on his last days. His father has died. Now he's about ready to die. I want you to see this because before we go on, you have to see this guy. There's something of what we would think sometimes as a secret that is no secret. It's obvious. It's glaring. It's yelling at us. That his love for God. But we think of what is the super secret sauce that he had that had the blessing on him. He believed the word of God, therefore, in our words, that's lordship. I will trust God even in spite the circumstances that I'm in. 
in Genesis chapter 50, verse 24, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God, I love the but God. He can do anything. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land promised on an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now listen, he's saying a prophecy that God told Abraham way back. Your descendants will go to Egypt for 400 years. Joseph is not even close to the 400 years yet. But he's saying there's a day coming. I believe the word of God. And even though that God provided for us here in Egypt, I want you to swear an oath. God will surely come to your aid and then you will carry my bones to the promised land. Can you believe this guy? He's been faithful in every season and stayed in his lane. And if it's in prison, if it's in slavery, he said, I still trust the word of God. Even to the dying days of his life, he's saying, there's going to come another day. I won't be here. But you want to take me with you. Swear an oath. He believes what God has said over his people. He's such a believer in God. He wants his bones to be taken with his family, the rest of the Israelites that will become great. I want you to take my bones with you. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. He could not see that, but he put his hope in what God had already told them, and I want to go too. Now listen to me. We cannot get into the mind. We, don't, we can only see what the Scripture tells us. But sometimes I want to believe that Joseph is going, you're going to laugh how much faith I have because I can't express it any more than taking my bones and you carrying it all the way with you. That's how much I believe it's going to happen. They, they mummify him because of the culture of Egypt. And it says that they put him in a coffin and they will, you will actually read in the Bible the day of the exodus. Here he goes, bones and all, right with him. What a man of faith. Wherever the blessing goes, it creates a garden more than enough. Jacob has died. Joseph has died. He's made an oath. I want to go with you the day that you leave to the promised land. Now, I want you to see this because it's important to understand what has happened after Joseph dies. It says in verse 6, Now Joseph and all his brothers and all the generation, all that generation died. But the Israelites were, ex- look at that, what's that word? Exceedingly fruitful. Does anybody have a thesaurus that you could use more than that? Bless their socks off. The blessing was on them so much. Exceedingly fruitful, and they multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. How many, remember how many were there? There was 70 total with Joseph's family when he called them up. But they're so numerous that now, generations later, about 400, generation, or 400 years later, That they're too numerous. They're filling everything up. Then the new king, listen to this key part. 
Then a new king, the new pharaoh to whom Joseph met nothing, came into power in Egypt. It's important for us not to forget what God has done in our life. This guy forgets. He said, look, he said, the people, to his people, the Israelites have become too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll, they'll join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. Just listen to the guy. He's fearful and it's an example or you can see a clear picture of really how great the Israelites in number have increased. There's not now 242. They wouldn't be scared of 242. There's probably thousands of Israelites. Let me put it this way. There's more than thousands because a lot of people believe that there was a million and a half fighting men that left Egypt in the Exodus. Did you hear me? Seventy into a million and a half fighting men, there possibly could be three million Israelites. So when you say that, or when the Bible says that it exceed, they were exceedingly fruitful and they, the multiply, they multiplied greatly, it's, it's not an exaggeration. It says this though, we have to shrewd, shrewdly deal with them because they're so great number. So they put slave masters over them to press them, oppress them with forced labor, and they built cities of storage. But the more that they were oppressed, hear this, the more that they were oppressed, the more that they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites because the blessing was on their lives so much, the Egyptians began to fear them. A lot of us can handle the blessing until other people begin to get jealous. And then we begin to downplay the blessing. Wow, I love that dress. I just got this at Walmart for two bucks. Well, why do you have to say that? So that they feel better that you don't have the blessing on your life? That's not in my notes, and I'm moving on from there. I, I want to I go into Moses real quick next week, but, but this week, I, let me just go ahead and start wrapping it up. Remember, it was God's desire, a loving father, to bless his people. Now, let me remind you in Genesis chapter 12, the blessing on Abraham. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you with abundant increase of favor. I will make your name famous and uh, distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you and you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed and by you they will be or they will bless themselves 
You say, well, pastor, that, that's for the Israelites, the Jewish people. We're Gentiles. Well, let me give you good news. And some of you need to take a picture if we have this scripture because you need to constantly prove it to yourself that you're blessed. In Galatians chapter 3, you know the whole story of why God sent Jesus to die on the cross to forgive us of our sins that we could spend eternity with him. But there's so much more. You know, um, fear not. I have called you by name. I have redeemed you. I have redeemed you means I am restoring what should have been in the garden before the sin came into the earth. And what happens in the redemption of mankind is saying, the blessing is on you. Be fruitful and increase. So Galatians chapter 3 says it this way. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. If you understand that the blessing is on your life, you're not lucky, therefore you're blessed. Everything that I have is because of the grace and favor of God on my life. Listen, in the Old Testament, we're going to continue next week talking about the blessing going through uh, finances. But as we move closer to uh, Easter and we get to the cross, you'll begin to realize that the covenant that we have is so much greater than those of the Old Testament, which is finances. It's in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and out of that comes the blessing. I'm going to say it for the first time, and I'm going to say it a hundred times, so I'm, I'm not losing my mind. I just want to let you know that I am going to repeat it on purpose. Is that we as believers do not determine our spiritual maturity based on how much money or assets that we have. But we do not also rate our maturity spiritually on how much that we don't have in poverty. It's through the blessing of God that we have the ability to walk in the obedience of Lordship of Jesus Christ and the blessing comes on us in all areas of our life. I don't believe that, Pastor. You know what I know? That most people that will say, well, I don't believe the blessing, as soon as tough times come, they'll say, can you pray with me about my finances? Why? You don't believe in the blessing. Well, can you pray for my relationships? Why? Would you pray for my health? Why, why do we pray for that? Because we as believers believe in the blessing of God in our life. And as we go, our world goes. Why do we send people to Cambodia? So they can give the good news of the blessing of God working in through our lives. Ooh, a whole other sermon coming up, but it's 12 o'clock. Let's pray. Father, you are a good God. And Father, sometimes it's kind of sad, and we, we say we're sorry for having to be reminded that you're a good Father. Help us to walk in in that every day that we realize that the blessing on our life is because of the goodness of our God. It's not something that we do, but God working in obedience with you, allowing you to work in our lives. God, we thank you. Father, your word says 
in Psalms 105. They put Joseph in slavery until your word was proved to be true. Father, there are people here today that are going through tough times. And I I just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them. That you're with them. And that, Father, the blessing is on their life to come out. And, Father, to be able to see the goodness of God in this land of living. Not just when we get to heaven, but in this land that we live in now. And, Father, as they see that, help them not to be able to keep it a secret. But, God, that they would testify of a loving Father in their life. Not as a defense attorney for you, but God, just as a witness, just to testify. This is what God has done in my life. And as people see, God, our good deeds that you have blessed us with, you will be glorified. And Father, we thank you for that. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.